Well, just where you're at, would you remain standing? We're going to have scripture uh, pop up here. And we're going to read this just real quick, a couple verses. In Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. If not, we'll have the uh, scripture up on the screen. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 22, and it says this, Men of Israel, listen to this, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then we're going to jump over to verse 36, and it says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, and for all whom the Lord our God will call. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that your word speaks volumes to us, that God, we get to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know the promises that were made before time. We know the the reality and the history of what we see, and whether we choose to believe it or not, God, we just have to examine the facts based upon the historical evidence and other things that we can look at. And so God, I pray today that your spirit would move, that it would be active, that God, maybe today that you would show us something. Maybe there's some who come in with great doubts and we would, you would answer those doubts and you would answer those questions and maybe even the struggles that we all face every day and every time. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You're going to have a seat. Uh, I want to introduce myself. My name is Brian Grout. I'm the pastor here at the Church of Three Trails, uh, and we're excited. We're going to continue or wrap up our series called Death to Life. Now, for those of you who haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we looked at two individuals in the past uh, that, are, that are talked about in Scripture. Number one is Peter, and number two is Judas. Now, everybody likes to throw Peter and say, man, look at how great Peter was. Why? Because Peter is now St. Peter, according to the Catholic Church, but Peter was an apostle, and Peter is somebody who followed Jesus. Jesus, even to the point where in the book of Acts, Peter is one of the three that really led the church to grow and to move and to have some sort of impact, all right? Then there's Judas. Nobody wants to be Judas, right? Everybody looks at the story of Judas and they're like, well, that's not me, man. I, I know I'm not, I'm not the Judas type guy, but here's what we discussed over the last two weeks. And here's the reality that most people miss in the big picture. Both Peter and Judas were in the same shoes, They had the same problem. They had the same difficulties, the same issues. And the fact of the matter is that Peter, in his denial of Jesus, denied Jesus before everybody else. And so what we tried to do was unpack and say, look, you at some point in time in your life maybe have denied Jesus. Maybe there's even a person who said, you know what? I've grown up in the church. I went to the church like crazy. I went to Sunday school. I mean, my, my, you know, you had the drug problem. Your parents drug you everywhere into church. You were there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But in some way, shape, or form, you look at it and you say, it never kicked. It never sunk in. And so there's been times in your your life where you've denied Jesus. Maybe a storm came and you're like, nope, can't be happening. If I'm going through this storm, Jesus can't be real. And there's a denial that takes place. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you're still a part of the church, but somebody comes up and they're like, hey, you know, your, your words and your actions 
don't speak like you're much of a Christian and you're like, ooh. And then you deny Jesus by your very words and actions. So we're, we're in the same boat just like Peter. But likewise, we're in the same boat as Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus. Judas chose his way rather than the Lord's way. Judas, I believe in every intent, we said this last week, had good intentions. Judas's idea was that he was gonna force God's hand. He was gonna force Jesus to rise to what he wanted Jesus to be, which was this political ruler who was gonna dominate and overthrow the Roman government and really establish, if you have to think about world history, establish the Jewish kingdom or the Israelite kingdom as the new powerhouse in the Middle East. They were going to overthrow Rome. Rome was going to be gone. And guess who was going to rise to the the top? And so Judas tries to force Jesus' hand because Judas believes that Jesus doesn't quite get what it means to be the Messiah. Judas is like, bro, you're supposed to be God, but you're really not that smart. And maybe, just maybe in your life, you've thought that. You know what, God? I think I can do it a little bit better on my own. And so Judas denies Jesus or betrays Jesus. And in the end, they both responded in two ways. Peter, it says, responded when he realized the sins that he wept bitterly, which is an idea of remorse and repentance. And he turns towards Jesus and Judas doesn't. Judas decides I'm gonna carry the weight and the burden of my own sins. And maybe that's the situation you might be in. Look, I can do it without you. I've got it all figured out. I got it on my own. I'm gonna gonna take care of it. And as a result, there were two realms or two areas they went. Judas experienced life and walked beyond the discouragement, walked beyond the denial, walked beyond his sins and experienced life. And Judas instead decided to bear the weight of his own sins and as a result goes and hangs himself. See, the reality is most of us in life will go through in one of those two ways. We will choose to turn or we'll choose to carry it all on our own. And as a result, there is something that takes place. But here's the beauty of today. Matter of fact, we're gonna call today's sermon the GOAT series or the GOAT sermon. Now, for those of you who are anything about sports, you know what I'm talking about. When you say GOAT, matter of fact, there's been a lot of talk lately, especially since the Patriots won the Super Bowl, (laughs) about Tom Brady being the GOAT. And for those of you who aren't following sports, GOAT means the greatest of all times. Now, there's been arguments, especially over the last couple months, even that LeBron James has usurped Michael Jordan as the greatest of all times, to which I say, nope, not going to happen. Not that I don't like LeBron James, it's just the fact that I like Michael Jordan. He's like my era basketball player. Jordan did it, LeBron did it. So anyways, the reason I bring this up is because I had to bring it. I wish I would have kept my Sports Illustrated article on LeBron James. I didn't, but you can kind of see here, GOAT, greatest of all times, but they're actually arguing that the Patriots are the greatest of all teams, to which I also say, <laughs> between them and the Yankees, I hate it. Yeah, yeah, New York boy, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I want to get to this aspect because the, the reality is this, that, that there have been articles about Tom Brady and LeBron James claiming they're the greatest of all time, but with the whispers or better yet, the uproar of even Chiefs fans that they think they found the goat, at least according to some fans I've talked to, in Patrick Mahomes, time will only tell. The goat being the greatest of all times 
should be lived up to based upon a record. In other words, you may or may not agree. You may disagree with the fact, like I would even say, I disagree with the fact that Tom Brady's the greatest of all our times. The problem is the facts tend to back it up. The fact that Tom Brady has exceeded almost every record in the history of the NFL should speak volumes. The fact that Tom Brady has won how many Super Bowls? Six. How many have the Chiefs been to? Oh, my bad, sorry. (laughs) Unfortunately, listen, I'm not a Tom Brady fan. Unfortunately, the facts have to back up the idea behind the greatest of all times. And what I believe is that when we begin to look at this, we begin to see whether it's Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux, whether it's Michael Jordan or LeBron James, whether it's Tom Brady or I don't even know who else to throw up there because I'd like to throw up Peyton Manning or John Elway or even Joe Montana, but the reality is none of those equal up to what Tom Brady has accomplished in football. It doesn't matter what sport you pick. It doesn't matter if you were to sit down and say, who's the greatest band of all times? whether it's the Beatles or U2 or, or things like that, you begin to look at things. Who is the greatest bands or things like, like that over all times? But we have to dig in and look at the facts behind what's going on. And today, that's really what Peter does. You know, find it ironic, but I don't know if you realize that the very text of scripture we read is what Peter spoke in his first sermon when he was basically put on trial before all of the leaders around that area. Remember, Peter is the one who, what, denied Jesus three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. And in the midst of his denying Jesus, he comes to a new understanding. He comes to a brokenness where he realizes, look, I don't have everything together on my own. And I realized the biggest struggle, that I didn't get the big picture. I didn't allow the facts to back up the truth that I was thinking I didn't allow the facts to change my heart. I just kind of walked through the motions. So here's the idea. Here's what I want you to begin to understand, that Jesus is the greatest of all times because he takes what is dead and he brings it to life. See, here's, here's the reality. Jesus works, his love for man forced him to stay on the cross and his victory over death is the resume with which we have to look at. Now, you may or may not believe that Jesus was a real person. But the fact of the matter remains that you can't deny Jesus is a real person just based on history. History books write about Jesus. History books acknowledge the fact that Jesus did live, that Jesus did do many miracles, there's no denying that, that Jesus did die on the cross, and that there was a group of people who rose up who said that Jesus rose again. And so when you look at the body of facts or the resume with which Jesus lays out, you begin to look and you begin to see that Jesus should be the greatest of all times based upon what we see. So here's the questions I wanna ask. I'm gonna ask you two questions today. Number one, why were the people cut to the heart? And number two, what did they do? As a result of seeing that Jesus was the greatest of all times, why were they cut to the heart and what did they do? So here's number one. Why were they cut to the heart? Because they realized they had been wrong about Jesus. Here's the question I begin to ask. If you follow along in verses 22 through 24, it says literally that men of Israel, listen to this, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God 
to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Now, anybody who maybe has been in the education system knows anything about college knows that accreditation means everything, doesn't it? A matter of fact, accreditation, if you're not accredited, most people will try and get the heck out of Dodge. I'm gonna move my kids into a school that is accredited so that I know that they're getting a good education. Nobody's gonna go, hey, you know what? I think I'm just gonna go to college. I know they're not accredited, but I'm just gonna throw money at them because it means absolutely nothing. Anybody wanna do that? No. Listen again what he says. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. Here is how Jesus becomes the greatest of all times. Jesus works, Jesus' resume shows he's the greatest of all times. The Jews couldn't even deny it. The very ones who led Jesus across, the very ones who sought his, his, his destruction, who sought his death, they could not deny the works that Jesus did. As a matter of fact, they tried to do different things, but they couldn't meet the, 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 the goal of what they were trying to do. They couldn't accomplish what Jesus was doing. Why? Because Jesus is the only one who could accomplish it. So they realized they had been wrong about Jesus. This is why they were cut to the heart. So in order to understand what's going on, we begin to see in in verse 23, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose. In other words, God's plan from the get-go was that Jesus would die on the cross and God's foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Now, here's where the rubber meets the road. Because it's kind of coming out very personal, but at the same time, Peter is is looking globally. When Peter says, you put him to death, Peter knows that he's calling himself into account. Because the very denial of Peter shows the very sins of Peter that Jesus went to the cross for in the first place. And so when we begin to see that, when we begin to understand, when we begin to play this out in the big picture, we have to begin to understand that when we discuss the goat or when the discussion of goat comes up or the greatest of all times, then we, then we have to look at the stats and, and the facts. And so Peter just lays it out. Listen, we all put Jesus to death. Both Peter's denial and Judas's betrayal all led to death. It led to the death of Peter. It led to the death of Judas. Peter's death later, if you know anything about the history of, of Peter, that Peter was crucified upside down. He didn't want to do what Jesus did. He didn't want to have it mimicked in any way. So as a result, because of his faith in Christ, he was crucified upside down. And so it leads to the death, but the reality is it also leads to life. See, people have all kinds of opinions. We have all kinds of theories about Jesus. Some some wanted Jesus to be a prophet. Some calling him, uh, really calling people back to another religion. Others wanted him to be a political Messiah, what we just talked about, delivering him from the oppression and overturning the corrupt Roman Empire. Others just wrote Jesus off as a fake, a magician with strange power over other people. See, Jesus would not conform to everyone's expectations. Jesus wouldn't conform to Judas's expectations. And so as a result, Jesus kind of breaks the mold of what everybody else desires and he forgives people's sins, something the Jews thought was blasphemous. Listen, here's the reality. He let people worshiping, saying that if they didn't, the rocks and trees would cry out and praise him. He claimed to be a rescue, on a rescue mission to save people and that he was the only way. And people were like, Jesus, we like you, but 
we don't think you get it. We don't, we're not quite sure about all this God stuff. And he wouldn't, and so they crucified him. Matter of fact, it says in, in verse 36, Peter says, therefore let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now here's the reality of what we begin to see, that Peter is really calling them out as individuals saying, you crucified him, but who in reality also crucified him? Peter. Matter of fact, in scripture later, it says in Romans chapter five, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. So that carries this idea that even though I am trapped in my sin, even though I'm still gonna walk in a different direction, Jesus said, look, I hung on the cross for you, regardless of what you believe, regardless of how you feel, regardless of the decisions you make, I still died on the cross. Regardless of your doubts, regardless of your discouragements, regardless of any of those, I hung on the cross and Peter said, look, here's the deal. You and I have crucified him. So he's calling it down. And he literally says this, therefore let all Israel be assured that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Lord, which means God or ruler or savior, not, other, uh, not another religious prophet, but the creator of the universe. And then Christ, which means the only savior, the Messiah, not one way among many, but the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. So many today want Jesus to be something else, a great religious teacher, maybe a good moral background of the Western morality or whatever you want to call it, and then maybe one of the many ways to God. As a matter of fact, if you go overseas, some of the religions and different things you deal with will say, hey, that was great. Even Islam will say Jesus was a good prophet. But here's the problem where it all breaks down. You have to evaluate facts. You have to evaluate statements. Jesus never claimed to be a prophet. Jesus never claimed to be a way. Jesus never claimed to be one of many gods. Jesus only claims, based upon the facts that were accredited to us through the miracles and the signs and the wonders that we see written all throughout history, and you can even go into non-Christian history and there's no denying the fact of what Jesus did, miracles-wise, works-wise, and everything else. So it leads me down one of two ways. I've got one of two choices. And that is that I can continue just like Judas is and just try and walk through life on my own to carry my own weight, my own burdens, my own struggles, the weight of my own sin, to take the responsibility for my sin and I can bear it all on my own. And what I'm telling you is this, the reason why most people fail at that is because you were never intended to carry it on your own. You were never intended to go through life on your own. God never set it up that way. But you were intended to go through life with other people. And you were, content, you were created to go through life with a relationship with God. I want to give you this, and, and I know we're talking about the greatest of all times, and I don't know that I'd classify you two as one of the greatest, but they're pretty daggum good. But I want to give you just a quick minute, 45 second video of Bono and his interview with one of these guys. We're going to go ahead and watch this. And then... So, so then, what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian, is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, a, you know, because actually he went around saying 
he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I think, therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I mean, uh, I have no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. I do. ...of all time, or whether I choose to acknowledge Jesus as the greatest of all time, when we get down to it, you have to begin to evaluate everything that goes on with that. The resume is more than just the works you accomplish. The resume is everything about the individual or the person. See, the beauty of Jesus is this, and I think this is the thing we begin to understand, that there have been a lot who have usurped the name of Jesus, who have called out and said they're doing things in the name of Jesus, but the reality is their actions are far from Jesus. But here's the good news about that. Even in their sins, when they don't act like Jesus, Jesus' death on the cross was for them just as much as it was for you or me where we're at. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of Jesus' message. And so why were they cut to the heart? Number one, I believe, is this. They realized they had been wrong about Jesus. Number two, they realized that they were responsible for Jesus' death. Listen, here's the, 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 the beauty of this section of text and this understanding is that we begin to see that we all had a hand in the death of Jesus. Not everyone there was directly involved in Jesus' death. Jesus, I mean, Peter's not approaching the people and going, you're the one who stuck him with the spear. You're the one who threw the crown of thorns on his head. You're the one that tore his clothes and ripped his beard out. You're the one who smacked him in the face. He's not doing that. He's literally saying that all of us had a hand in crucifying Jesus. Your sins and my sins are the very things that Jesus went to the cross for and are the very things that held him there. The fact of the matter is this, that Jesus at any time could have got off, could have done away with it, could have said, I'm not gonna do with it, but instead he chose to stay. Why? Because the love of Jesus overcomes everything else. Jesus does what we don't expect. The truth of the matter is, if I was to say, this is the way it's gonna be, I would have looked at Jesus just like Judas and said, over my dead body, you're going to the cross. We're going to create an insurrection and you're going to rise up and you're going to be the political leader. I'm just thinking about it, making it the easy way. It's a lot easier that way, isn't it? Why? Because Jesus is still here with me. Because Jesus can walk with me through the difficult times because the very guy that I've given my life to follow for the last three years is completely there. Whereas if he dies, he's not. 
And so they were responsible for Jesus' death. And so when we begin to see this, it's personal because Peter, as well as Judas, and as well as all of us, had a hand in Jesus' death. And listen, those listening to Peter came to the same conclusion Peter did. We did this. We understand it. They said in verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? There's a point in under time where you look and you go like, holy smokes, I, I just... I did it. I'm responsible. I mean, anybody ever, you ever done something and then you went, what was I doing? What was I thinking? Why did I say that? Why did I punch him? What? I mean, it's just like things get out of control and the next thing you know, you're doing something you know you shouldn't have. Every one of us, I think in some way, shape or form, and I don't care if you're a pastor or not a pastor, I don't care if you're a person who's grown up in church for your entire life or you're brand new to the church thing, you and I have all done things where we look and we're like, holy cow, I shouldn't have done that. That was dumb. You know, this is a famous last statement. I always used to say it to some of our teenage boys who were smart but dumb, especially when they got together. How two brains can become one brain or less than one brain blows my mind because it's always the famous last words. Hey, watch this. And it's funny at the time, we're like, well, that was pretty cool, dude. (laughs) But you realize real quick, we've all been there. We've all been in that situation, that circumstance and their struggle. So listen, they were cut to the heart. You see Jesus looking at you. You did this against God. It was for your rebellion, your cheating, your refusal to do the things God's way, your selfishness, your pride, your hatred, your bigotry. And before, before you can think about it, you can think about your sin. And you know the things that you've carried. And listen, so the question was this, what, why were they cut to the heart? And number two, the second question I want to ask is what did they do? And I want to focus on this just this last brief five to seven minutes. Listen to what he says in verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. So here's what happens. What did they do? It says that they changed their minds. In other words, this idea is this. Repentance is a way or an understanding that I know I'm going one direction and I have a 180 degree change and I go the other direction. I know I'm walking in one direction. I'm walking one path, but I am choosing to go down a different path. I'm going to go the opposite direction I've had. They had a change of mind, a change of heart towards who Jesus was. And this is the beauty of the gospel is that we can look back at the good news that Jesus offered and we can see, look, we've made mistakes. Jesus knew you were gonna make mistakes. Jesus knew you were gonna be full of sin. And Jesus said, that's why I went to the cross. That's why I stayed there. The love of Jesus sent him there or, or the sins of the people sent him there. The love of Jesus held him there. It kept him there. God's love for you was so much. Matter of fact, we can go back to John 3, 16, which I find ironic. You can see it held up in football stadiums and a lot of people don't know what it is, but it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. So what did they do? They changed their minds. See, facts have a funny way of dealing this. Matter of fact, I watched Sports Center a lot more than anything else, my wife will tell you. Matter of fact, I can say this in college when there was like six hours straight at Sports Center, even though nothing changed, because it would be like 6 a.m. to like noon, ask my wife what was on. 
<laughs> Sports Center. The whole six hours. She'd come in, she's like, this again? I'm like, what? She's like, they're the same scores from last night. So? It's sports. Nothing's changed. So? <laughs> Why would I want to watch anything else? But when I really look, and I begin, so I have to go back to the story. I watch Center, and they start talking about after Brady and then won the Super Bowl, how he's the greatest of all times. And I'm like, off. <laughs> I want to listen to this and talk about Brady. But when you begin to look at the things that take place in a person's life in the history, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, listen to me. Whether I want, don't want to acknowledge it, I want to stand back and I'm going to sit there and say, John, always the best. Facts still have to come into play. And so they changed their minds over the facts and seeing what took place. See, my sins put him there, but his love kept him there. And so we have to acknowledge that our attitude about Jesus has been wrong. You have either recognized him as Lord and surrendered to him, or you haven't. You have to look at him just really the way Bono said you look at him. He's either who he said he was, or he's the biggest nut job on the face of the earth. And if all of these people are following the biggest nut job, it's even greater than the fact that however many people in Germany followed Hitler. So they changed their minds about who Jesus was. Number two, they sought forgiveness from Jesus. Listen again what he says. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. They sought forgiveness in Jesus' name because that's the only one who could forgive any sins. Why? Because he's the one who paid for their sins. He's the one who paid the price for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the world. Whether you want to acknowledge him or not, whether you choose to follow him or not, it says that they sought forgiveness from Jesus because they knew that they had contributed to the death of Jesus. So they made a choice. They sought forgiveness from Jesus. See, you can deny the statement of Jesus being the goat, but you cannot deny the works of Jesus or the claims of Jesus. And number three, it says this. What did they do? It says that they were baptized. Listen, here's the thing to begin to understand that when we talk about baptism, baptism represents death and life. And when we see it played out in scripture, we see it in a very simple way. That it, whether it was in a river or wherever else it takes, that baptism represents the belief in Jesus Christ. Okay, there's this thing called the altar call that somehow American Christianity created. You know what the altar call was in the New Testament church? If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you get in the water. Why? Because it represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It represents the death of my sins and the life I no longer live, but the life I live, I now live in Christ. And so the reality is that baptism is a symbol of a change that you have made or that Jesus has made in you as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ. So what did they do? They turned or changed their mind. They asked for forgiveness in Jesus and they were baptized. And here's what we're gonna encourage you with today. We don't have the baptism set up today, but maybe, just maybe, you'd say, look, that's me. I realize that for so long I've looked, I've, maybe I've walked past, I've denied a lot of things, but baptism represents life. Baptism represents a commitment. It's an 
outward sign of an inward change in your life. Baptism shows we're burying our old life, we're raised a new life in Jesus. And so on May 12th, that's Mother's Day, for those of you who aren't too far away, that's three weeks from today, May 12th, we're gonna do baptism service. And so here's what we're gonna do, just as I wrap up the sermon, is this. Maybe, just maybe, that God's spirit has changed your mind or your attitude toward who Jesus is. Maybe deep down in your heart right now that you know Jesus is the greatest of all time and I have never asked him for forgiveness and I have never walked or put my faith and trust in him. Listen, that last song we sang, It Is Well, carries this idea that recently with the loss of my father back in January is that so many people try and do everything on their own. And the reality is there are gonna be storms. There are gonna be things that come up. Maybe it's cancer, maybe it's depression, maybe it's suicide, maybe it's struggles in life, maybe it's all kinds of situations in life. It could be other sicknesses, it can be other things. And the fact of the matter remains that I don't know a single person yet other than Jesus that dies and rises again. Every funeral I've done is final. All I gotta do is follow the hurts out to the graveyard and I watch that casket get lowered into the ground and they throw dirt on it and when everybody leaves, the undertaker comes in and they take care of everything and they get it all neat. But I have never seen one of those dudes kick open that casket, jump out and go, boo, I was just joking. The storms of life will hit. The question is, are you gonna bear the weight of the storm on your own? Or are you gonna let Jesus carry you through? Because like I said, we all face death. We're not promised tomorrow. For all I know, I could go out here and get hit in a car accident and die tonight. For all I know, just like I, I shared with our church two weeks ago, two weeks ago this last Saturday night, two weeks ago last night, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe it was, yeah, two weeks ago, guy who's 47 years old, pastor out in St. Louis, did the same thing that we're doing here, trying to replant a church. They just had a conference on Friday morning and Saturday morning, their church went home Saturday night, had a massive heart attack at 47, died, left his two kids and his wife. No clue. They're not promised tomorrow. I'm not promised tomorrow. And so here's just very simply what I wanna do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there's nothing magical about this prayer. There's nothing magical about what you can do. But I just want you to say this, that if you are putting your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time, you say, Jesus, I know for so long I have walked through it on my own. I want you to just say this very simply where you're at. Jesus, today I receive you as my savior. I surrender my life to you and I want you to be my Lord and I wanna confess my sins to you. And I ask that you would forgive me. And I want to follow you the rest of the days of my life. Listen, following Jesus is not a one-time thing and then you're done. Following Jesus is a daily commitment. And you may say at this point, I don't know what to do next. That's okay. We'll walk with you through that. So here's what we're going to do. Just in a very simple way. We're going to close with this song. And maybe you would say where you're at. I'm just gonna have everybody stay seated. If you wanna sing where you're at, then you can stay singing or, or sing along. But maybe you'd say, I wanna follow Jesus in baptism. I wanna make it known. I wanna make it public. 
And here's what I'm gonna do, very simply. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd say, that's me, I'm making my first time decision to follow Jesus today, would you just raise your hand? You just slip it up and then put it back down. Just slip it up and put it back down. Okay, in front of you, if you raise your hand, in front of you is a card. It's called that connection card. I just want you to write your name. I want you to write your phone number and address so we can get a hold of you. May 12th, we're gonna do baptism and that's gonna be the day that you can say, I have committed my life to Christ. I'm going public, I'm making it known. May 12th, it's three weeks. It's time for you to invite your friends. It's time for you to invite family. But it's a way for you to respond to Jesus today and say, Jesus, look, I am calling on you. I want you to be my savior today. I realize that my sins are what put you on the cross, but your love is what kept you on the cross. And I realize that your love is what caused you to rise again because you defeated sin and you defeated death. Father, we thank you. We thank you for new life. We thank you for the fact that Jesus gave his life for ours as a ransom for many. And God, I pray today that we would just evaluate our lives based upon Jesus and what Jesus called us to, what Jesus laid out before us. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna close with this song. If you just say, hey, you know what? I didn't raise my hand, but I'm interested in talking more about who Jesus is. I'm gonna ask you to fill out that connection card. And here's what we're gonna do. At the end of the service, there's no, no strings attached. I wanna ask you to just come put them right up here. Just lay them down. If the service is over, just come up, lay it down. If you wanna talk to me, if you want somebody to pray, as we close with the song, I'm gonna be up here. You can pray with me. I'd love to pray with you. We're going to close with a song and you'll be dismissed.